0: Welcome to the Tally the Bases podcast. From new fans to seasoned statisticians, the Tally the Bases podcast is the baseball podcast for every baseball fan. If you enjoy my content, I'd appreciate it if you let me know by liking my Facebook page and sharing this episode with some of your own baseball buddies. Today, after a lot of talk about hitters in the last two episodes, we are dedicating the episode entirely to pitching stats and how Jacob deGrom of the New York Mets has been chasing greatness these past few seasons. I will also speak about pitching data and how science is being implemented into the game today. It would make absolutely no sense at all to talk about the dominance of pitchers today without talking about Jacob DeGrom. The former Stetson University shortstop-turned-ninth-round pick by the New York Mets may just be the best pitcher in the world. To name a few, here are some of his most recent accolades. He was the signing award winner in 2018 and 2019 losing out in 2020 to Trevor Bauer in the bridge season. In all three of these seasons, he had an ERA under three in the mid twos and struck out 40% of the batters he faced. This year has been like something out of a record book, though. Jacob deGrom is nearly unstoppable through the first month of the season. Through his first four starts, he set an MLB record of 50 strikeouts. This is nearly 50% of the batters he faced. Through these starts, he's batted in more runs, two runs, Then he allowed as a pitcher, just a single run. Whenever we see a dominant pitching performance in MLB, it instantly draws comparisons to Pedro Martinez, who in the modern era of the game had one of the greatest stretches of pitching dominance ever from the late 90s to the early 1000s. More specifically, his dominance is aptly praised because it occurred during the juice ball era from the 90s to the 2000s, when it was widely believed that MLB intentionally altered baseballs to encourage more scoring. However, we know now that the increase of scoring was much more likely to be due to steroid usage. More recently, the concept of juice balls reemerged in the 2017 season, where we saw a record 6,105 home runs, which surpassed the peak of the steroids era of 5,693 set in 2000. So why talk about different eras when comparing pitchers? If DeGrom or Martinez pitched about 15 years between each other, how can you get a good comparison between them? Of course, there's no real way to know which player was better at their peak. Stats, while representative of performance, don't measure all aspects of performance, but they do help us with this comparison. Just like we have talked about in early episodes, where OPS Plus can help us measure OPS across different players from different eras, By creating an average and establishing where exactly on that average a player ranks with given factors such as different ballparks and different productivity among batters, the same can be done for pitchers. ERA is often the most relevant stat when used to compare pitchers, so ERA plus is used to compare where pitchers rank among their peers. In the case of Pedro Martinez, his ERA plus was at some of the highest extremes during the late 90s and the early 2000s that we have ever seen. Between his best two-year stretch, 1999 and 2000, which remember, 2000 was a season that saw the most home runs at that current timeline, his ERA plus reached their highest two-year peaks at 243 and 291, meaning that in 2000, his ERA was nearly three times better than the average pitcher. But it doesn't end there, because there are two seasons where his ERA plus reached over 300, and seven seasons where it was at least over 200. Like all pitchers at some point, hitters have seen a sample size of your repertoire near the end of your career and arms can deteriorate, especially in Pedro's case, where his worst season had an ERA plus of 75 at age 36, which is still incredible. Pedro's average ERA plus over his 18 year career is a staggering 154. In DeGrom's case, we have to factor in a few things. First, regardless of whether or not the ball has been juiced in the past few years, we can conclude with certainty that it hasn't reached the level of the steroids era. Meaning that Pedro Martinez levels of ERA plus disparity would be much harder for DeGrom to achieve in today's game. Second, DeGrom didn't start his MLB pitching career until he was 26. Pedro was pitching from age 20 until he was 37 years old. DeGrom would have to pitch until the tail end of his 40s to match Pedro's career length. So now let's move on to the comparison. Jacob deGrom had his highest ERA plus of 218 in the 2018 season. Like I said, it would be near impossible for deGrom to beat out Pedro in this category, given how often pitchers were getting lit up during Pedro's era. But now let's talk about deGrom's career averages as they stand in 2021. Eight years into his career, deGrom has an ERA plus of 154, which is identical to Pedro's career, albeit 10 seasons shorter. What is unique to deGrom is that he hasn't posted an ERA plus below 117 in his whole career, meaning that he has been al- above league average every season of his career. When you take it into consideration the fact that he was originally drafted as a short shortstop, this is nothing short of remarkable. I think that in the case of DeGrom, we should put every baseball player on the mound at some point in their minor league career to make sure we never miss out on a pitcher of this caliber. DeGrom's best two-year split is 2018 and 2019, where he put up an ERA plus of 218 and 171, notching him not only the Cy Young, but also MVP votes as a pitcher. The story of DeGrom, though, has been frustrating. His career ERA is Hall of Fame worthy at 2.55. However, his win-loss record is a disappointing 72 and 53. For comparisons, Pedro's career ERA is 293, with a win-loss record of 219 wins and 100 losses. Clearly a bigger sample size for Pedro, but it really does emphasize how incredible a sub-3 ERA really is. DeGrom's run support has been atrocious this season in particular. His ERA this season through five starts is 0.51, allowing just two earned runs over 35 innings. What is somewhat inconceivable, though, is his win-loss record, which stands at a meager two wins and two losses. In many sports, Wins and losses aren't an accurate way to account for a player's performance, but in baseball, pitchers bear the burden of this misleading statistic. The ultimate display of DeGrom's unfortunate run support, he lost against the Phillies last week after giving up only a single run. What's even worse is that in the two losses that have been issued to DeGrom, he hasn't given up more than a single run, meaning that the only favorable decisions that he has received have come from shutout performances. The Mets offense has been so bad this year that their star players have been getting booed at home whenever they take the plate. This is, of course, part of a broader issue that has spanned many seasons. From 2018 until now, DeGrom's ERA has been 1.99 over 81 starts. In these games, the Mets are just 27 and 21. Yes, that's a winning record, but those are over 30 games where he didn't get the decision. A seemingly impossible feat with a sub-2 ERA. What's even funnier is DeGrom has batted in two runs this season, which cancels out all the offense he has received in those games that he has lost. There are many pitching stats that exist nowadays that I think help encapsulate a pitcher's performance, but I'm planning on saving that for a future episode. Today we will focus on WIP, which stands for Walks Plus Hits Per Innings Pitch, and helps us determine how many base runners or pitchers allow in their appearances. A whip under one means that on average, in an inning, the pitcher has a clean inning with no base runners. In Pedro's career, he's achieved this feat six times, where he pitched at least 50 innings. For DeGrom, he has already done this four times. Just like whip measures walks and hits per innings pitched, other pitcher stats, such as case per nine and hits per nine, also walks per nine, also measure these stats over a nine-inning ballgame. It is time for today's trivia question. So far, two starting pitchers have an ERA under one. Jacob deGrom is in first, as we talked about earlier in the episode, but who is in second? Because we have dedicated the whole episode to pitching, it would be a great time to talk about spin rate. Often with buzzword, spin rate measures the revolutions of a baseball after the ball is thrown by the pitcher. For most pitchers, a higher spin rate generally means a pitch that has a lot of movement and or is harder to hit. For some pitches, such as the infamous knuckleball, however, spin rate is the opposite of what you want. For example, fastballs with a high spin rate tend to elevate upwards, creating much more difficulty for hitters because they are harder to hit, but also it is much harder to make quality contact with the pitch, that is to get a bigger hit like a home run or a double. Great examples of high spin rate fastballs are Walker Buehler of the Los Angeles Dodgers and Garrett Cole of the New York Yankees. Both of their fastballs feature spin rates north of 2500 RPM, and because of this, they have upward movement. Garrett Cole is an excellent example of how incorporating spin rate can drastically affect performance. After being drafted out of UCLA with the first overall pick in 2011, Cole was a highly-touted prospect that went to the Pittsburgh Pirates. The Pirates at the time weren't big on pitching analytics such as spin rate and pitching data. Make no mistake, Cole was no slouch on the Pirates, posting an ERA plus at or above 100 every season with the Pirates and a sub ERA in all but one season. But the real change happened when he was traded to the Astros. The Astros had suffered through a rebuild and reinvented their front office by putting analytics at the forefront. And when they acquired Cole, his fastball velocity was at the 90th percentile but his spin rate on his fastball was in the 30th percentile. There were a few mechanical changes made, and Cole's fastball velocity reached the upper 95th percentile, but more importantly, his spin rate reached the 95th percentile as well. Same changes were applied to his curveball, and his ERA dropped about a point and a half, but nearly every other hitting stat fell as well. In his second and final season in 2019 with the Astros, he led the league in ERA with a 2.5 ERA. ERA plus with an ERA plus of 185, strikeouts with 326, and strikeouts per nine with 13.8 Ks per nine innings. Most notably, Cole went 25 games with a 20-0 record, which has not been replicated since then. This dominant five-month stretch highlighted Cole's impeccable 2019 that led him to signing the record-breaking nine-year $324 million contract that he currently has now with the Yankees. However, not all pitches with the same high spin rates have this vertical movement. For instance, high spin rate changeups actually have more vertical drop. In both cases, the spin rate affects the directional movement of the ball, making the pitch much more difficult to square up. For sliders, spin rate helps the horizontal movement, but we have seen that it also helps the vertical movement of the pitch as well. It's hard enough to hit a pitch that's moving on one axis, but can you imagine two axes? A great example of a slider with this movement is personified by no other than Trevor Bauer. While hitters have gotten better at using data to create efficient and powerful swings, pitchers have used the same data to become faster and more efficient too. Time for the answer to today's trivia question. Two starting pitchers have an earned run average under one. Leading the pack is Jacob DeGrom with an ERA of .51, and in second is Kansas City starting pitcher Danny Duffy. Congratulations to the Kansas City Royals, who have gotten off to a hot start this season, and congratulations to Danny Duffy for an incredible start to the 2021 season. I would like to introduce a new segment that I like to call the Pitching Preview, where I highlight some of the noteworthy pitching matchups of the week so that you don't have to browse through ESPN every day wondering when certain pitchers are taking them out. On the day that this episode airs, Walker Bueller is scheduled to take the mound against Cubs prospect, Adbert Alzolay. Bueller features a high spin rate fastball with a lot of upward movement, and Alzolay features a curveball with a spin rate in the 90th percentile, which causes more downward action. On Thursday, Garrett Cole gets a start, and you can see how crazy the movement really is on his fastballs and curveballs that are all in the upper 90th percentile. He faces off against Lance McCullers Jr., who has a curveball in the 90th percentile, and a sweeping slider with some of the biggest horizontal movement in the majors. And on Friday, we get to see the early rookie of the year front runner in Trevor Rogers of the Miami Marlins, who has a bit less velocity but 90th percentile spin rate in his changeup and 80th percentile spin rate and movement in his fastball and sinker combo. He will take the mound at home against Corbin Burns, who has 90th percentile spin rate and velocity in his fastball, cutter, and slider, and has a top of the table 99th percentile spin rate in his cutter the batters just can't touch this season. I have an exciting announcement. I am partnering with Teespring to create some Tally the Bases merchandise for all of you to enjoy. It is an honor to create content for all of you, and if you'd like to support me through my merchandise, I would be very grateful. The link is in the show notes. If not, thank you for being a listener. It means a lot to me. I would like to thank you so much for listening to the Tally the Bases podcast, Today's episode was a lot of fun to put together, and I demand that you go out and watch some of the great pitchers like DeGrom and Cole. If you liked today's episode, please go ahead and give me a like to let me know, and if you'd be so kind to share this with a baseball buddy of your own. In the next episode, I will dive deeper into why today's pitching might be greater than we've ever seen before, and how younger players have used data to get a step ahead of the majors. The episode will include snippets about Walker Buehler and Corbin Burns. Thanks for listening, and play ball.